Welcome to another podcast episode of the Changing the Culture podcast with your host, me, Autumn Clifford. I'm really excited to be here with you uh, today. I have a, a special guest who we're going to be introducing in just a few minutes. But before I get there, I want to talk to you about um, a topic that's been really weighing on my mind, and that's individuality. And so my question to you is, how have you been like yourself recently? Look, with everything going on in the media and everything going on in the world, I think it's very easy. It's very easy to get caught up in everybody else's opinions and thoughts and where you should land and how you should be feeling and all of this shit. But it it becomes harder and harder to um, be individualized and be your own person in your true self when all we see is if you believe in this then this and if you do this then you're this and right and you're and it's very easy to get caught up in all of that I think that um, now is a better time than ever to take a break from social media to be honest with you I just got myself onto a uh, pod um, onto a platform called the parlor app and uh, so you can come hang out with me on there if you want it's much more conservative um, it's a much more conservative app. It's essentially, they're calling it like a non-bias, um, uh, social media platform as far as like, they're not blocking anything. So basically everybody can go on there and say whatever they want. Whereas, um, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, a lot of things get blocked. A lot of things get taken down. Well, this social media, um, platform was built to not do that. So, uh, you can come and hang out with me over there at Officer Autumn. Um, and so far, it's been fun to see what's going on. I mean, it's still very political. At the end of the day, if we set politics aside for a second, I just, I really want you to reflect and ask yourself how you're being an individual. I know every single day I'm out there and I am, look, I'm putting my heart and my passions first. You're going to hear uh, today, we have a special guest. Her name is Carrie Rutten. She's a former police officer and she's doing the exact same. She's out there. She's, you know, doing um, what she is very passionate about. She's out there helping uh, police departments, helping officers as well um, to survive their job. And so, you know, and I'm out here and I'm doing my thing as well, right? You know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm putting my best foot forward. I'm all about, you know, self-help I'm for first responders. I'm all about first responders, you know, surviving the job on duty and off. Um, I'm really about changing the culture, hence the podcast name. Um, and, and that's not new. If you've been following me for any amount of time, you know, that's what I talk about constantly. And what I want to say is it's during these times that it's very important that we all are who we are and we stay true to ourselves and we stay individualized. So reflect on that for just a few minutes. Um, as you know, we get into Miss Carrie's interview is a really nice one. And at the end, you're going to hear um, some mastermind members uh, talk to her if you're interested in being a part of something that is completely next level. It's called the Next Level First Responder. It's a mastermind. It is not a program. You're not getting all this training. You're not getting bombarded with content. It's actually um, conversations, mind-expanding conversations with people, brilliant people, brilliant experts, such as Carrie, such as people like Dr. Kevin Gilmartin, the uh, author of The Emotional Survival of Law Enforcement, uh, Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman, who is very famous in our world. Um, actually, we just had the opportunity to talk to a former Navy SEAL. His name is Jason Redman. He's absolutely wonderful. But anyways, this, this mastermind, there's nothing else like it out there. And 
it is something that has been really life-changing. It's been really foundational for these uh, officers. And I have some spouses, um, dispatchers in there that really, they've said to me like this, this mastermind is what's kept me going. Everything has been really hard, but just having these conversations, showing up and seeing these people, having the support, it's been uh, unlike anything I've ever experienced. And so that, that's been really wonderful. So if that's something you're interested in, check the, uh, check the link down in the show notes, um, come and hang out, learn about it. Um, and you're more than welcome to join. Also in the show notes is Carrie has provided a link, um, to what she was talking about. She has a very special program, um, and she was talking about that. And so I have put the link in the show notes as well. I hope you enjoy the show. What's up everybody. What's going on? Sheepdog Nation. I'm so excited to have you here, Carrie. I'm so excited to have you here. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. First of all, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. And yeah, my name is Carrie Wooten. I am a prior law enforcement, got out a couple years ago, and now I'm the founder and president of Mindset Enterprise, which is a training and consulting company. And we focus predominantly on first responders in our training. It's amazing. I love that. So tell me, let's back up a minute and tell me a little bit about your law enforcement career. Yeah, sure. So I did about seven years in law enforcement. Um, I was not that person who like wanted to be a cop from when I was like five, six years old, um, wasn't into it until like late in college, um, got the agency I wanted, went to a large city agency. Everything was great. Um, one kid came along, two kids came along, <laughs> um, married to a Marine. So we did all the deploying shift work, all the fun stuff. Yeah. And then I got out after I had my second kid. So now I get to work from home. Um, and now I have a third kid. So I guess that kept repeating. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, so now I get to just give back and help law enforcement with a lot of the things I know firsthand we really struggle with in the profession. Yeah. Was it hard for you to get out of law enforcement? Oh my gosh. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. It's yeah, it seriously was. So, I worked for two agencies. The first agency was like the dream agency, the one I put in for, um, like life was good. It was phenomenal. And then we got military orders, of course, and moved to another state, went to the agency that was hiring, right? When we went where I could get paid and do my job and it wasn't an agency I would have picked. And then... Fortunately, unfortunately, um, you know, blessings and the curse kind of thing. It was really corrupt. It was entirely toxic. Like it was all the negative pieces of law enforcement, unfortunately, but then I got to see it. Mm -hmm. So then I'm like, Hey, if this happened to me, then it's happening to cops all over the country. And I got like a taste of that toxic cancer and how it like crept into my marriage, how it crept into how I was parenting, all the negative things. And that's when I left and was like, all right, how do I fix it? What do I do so other people don't have to be miserable Mm. like I was the last two years of my law enforcement career? Yeah. Wow. So what did, would you, would you say that, did you face any shit because you were a woman in like your second agency? Um, the second one, yes, because I was their first one. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, so <laughs> um, 
for first agency, you know, there were 900, you know, 900 sworn. So even on the squad, you could kind of be the token female, but you weren't the only one. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was probably like more of the standard representation of law enforcement. The second agency, small town, a little bit further south. Um, it was just different where they were like, oh, we were actually told not to talk to you because we might say something inappropriate and you might sue. Oh my God. And I was like, wait, that's also not okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let me help you. So I kind of had to train the agency on like how to work with me, mm. um, which was interesting. You know, it was fun. It was a different kind of challenge and yeah. a lot of lessons learned from it. Yeah. Well, so that, so that helped you into what you do today. So get, can you get specific with us? Like you, let's say I have a PD that is just mm-hmm. super screwed up. Like what, what, what can you do? Tell me about that. Yeah. So first of all, it doesn't even have to be screwed up, which is the awesome thing. It's cool. for anybody. Um, overall, I have a lot of programs, but my programming focuses on decreasing stress and anxiety in the officers while simultaneously increasing retention and morale. Hmm. I mean, we get those things sorted out. Yeah. And now you see true leadership and you see culture shifting and you see better service to your community. It's like all the things that are connected mm-hmm. and really what we're supposed to be doing in law enforcement anyway, like serving our communities. <laughs> wouldn't you agree? Like one of the things that I stand on, I say all the time is wouldn't you agree that if we can change the inner workings of the culture, the stress, you know, the lack of leadership and all the mindset, if we can change all of that, don't you think that we're going to see a completely different, like, policing out in the public I mean, our mm-hmm. officers are going to be completely different yeah it's once you change that culture I mean look at it it's we're our own worst enemy mm-hmm. right and everyone says oh it's it's the citizens or this is hard or, or that is hard most officers don't lose sleep over how they communicate with a citizen that day it's the supervisor that they can't stand working for mm-hmm. it's the grumpy toxic guy on patrol with 25 years who just complains during muster and briefings. You know, mm-hmm. those are the things that really stress cops out. I mean, mm-hmm. aside from any understandable like trauma, PTSD related kind of stuff, but the day to day is all the internal communication and internal affairs. Mm-hmm. So I completely, completely agree with you. We fix that and we like actually have our brother's backs. Mm-hmm. I mean, in every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Now you get that camaraderie that's printed on the recruiting posters. Mm. And we like fulfill that actual image of, you know, this is, you know, brothers and sisters in blue, like this is a real unit, like this is a team and this is a positive culture. Now we're here to help everybody else, to help those who can't help themselves. And now our, I mean, the public perception changes, the level of service increases. I mean, now you're talking about phenomenal law enforcement professionals. Agreed. I couldn't agree more. So let me ask you this. What's your first, like, what is the first thing? Do you like reduce their stress? Like what, what, Mm -hmm. how do you, how do you reduce their stress? Can you give somebody like a tip, like a practical tip? Yeah. So I do everything with personal development first. Okay, all leadership training, everyone does the textbook stuff. It's nice. We've all been there. It sort of works. <laughs> mm, right. So you go back to the person, right? The person behind the badge. Mm-hmm. And I start with gratitude practice. 
Mm-hmm. Um, my formal education is all like neuroscience and psychology. That's like mm-hmm. my nerdy half. Mm-hmm. Um, so I take the nerd side, I bring it to the practical application side. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a class going on right now. I've got guys from Texas and up to Boston and out to Colorado, um, new officers, majors, everything in between. And they're doing gratitude practice. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the science behind it, but like they're sharing it with their families and their supervisors and they're shifting like throughout their actual work shift just because of something simple like that. I know. Girlfriend, it sounds like you're, <laughs> you're a page right out of my course. You can, that's oh, what my, see? that's, Good. Yeah, that's, that's like the connected. first, <laughs> the first thing that my officers do too, because <laughs> it is, yeah. it, it People don't understand. People don't understand what gratitude will actually do. And then like I get in, I get like really spiritual with it. So I'm like, all right, like you want to attract good things. Well, the first thing you have to do is actually be thankful for what you do have. Like you can't just say, I want all this shit and not care about what you actually have. So right, I right. love that you do that. Beautiful. And it's such a mindset shift. So Sheepdog, anybody listening, I want you to pay attention to that. If, if you're finding yourself in a really bad place um, mindset-wise, or you're just feeling really grumpy, or you're just feeling really stressed out, it's so simple to just start right now. You can pause this podcast and just say, like, what are, the, what are like 10 or 20 things that you're thankful for? And let me help you. You can start, I got, when you do this a lot, you start getting thankful for like the breath you know, that mm-hmm. in your lungs and the air and the chair you're sitting in, like you start getting really thankful for all those things that we take for granted, but it changes your life. Wouldn't you say, Carrie? Yeah, it's, it's everything. And uh, I mean, since you practice, I'm sure you do this too. I leverage gratitude. Like I do it every morning mm-hmm. with my morning routine, but then when things are hard, I do more. So when I have a conflict with my husband, Okay. Cop, Marine, a lot of type A, a yes. lot of stubbornness going on in this household. <laughs> yes. Um, so if we have a conflict mm-hmm. before it continues, I go and I write all the reasons I'm grateful. Mm-hmm. Like I have a husband that wants to be with me and I wake up to every morning. Mm-hmm. I know that not everybody has that. I mean, how lucky am I? Even when he pisses me off, how lucky am I? He's still there. Right. right? I've got three kids under the age of six. Sometimes they drive me a little crazy. Yeah. And I have to write down all the reasons I'm grateful for their strong, independent personalities Mm -hmm. so I don't lose my mind. And then you do the same thing at work, right? You get a bad domestic, you get like a bad death investigation, whatever, write down why you're grateful. And now how you perceive that trauma Mm -hmm. totally starts to shift. Mm -hmm. And so like we can use it every day and it's just, it's amazing. Obviously, I'm a strong advocate for it. <laughs> it's yeah, but it's it's awesome. And you know what's even more awesome? And and so obviously, you're on changing the culture podcast, right? So I'm really, as you are, I'm really big about that, right? Yeah. So what I love though is look at the shift. Is we're asking, you know, we're asking officers to do something that they don't typically ever do, right? And it seems right. so far out of reach, but it's so simple. And yet, when they start doing it talk about the results with us. Like what, what, what are your people, what do they have for results? Yeah. So it's actually been shown that we can decrease stress and anxiety by 30% just by doing a gratitude practice. Like this is, I have it. Look, like, this is it. This is all you need. Everyone's got this. If you don't, Guess what? I'll send it to you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right? That's a pen and it. a paper. Every first responder has a pen and a paper. <laughs> exactly. Right? If not 50 of them. Mm-hmm. And 
It's just so simple. So as you do that, now we talk about being proactive to what cops really struggle with on the mental health side, right? Like we know what kills cops. We know it's not guys on the street. We know it's ourselves. We'll forget awareness and mental health symposiums and all that stuff. Like I'm not knocking them completely, but that's no, all reactionary. A hundred percent. Right. But that's what police fact. work is. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We were, when we were conditioned to this knee jerk reaction, yes. mm-hmm. I'm like, why don't we just get ahead of it and not have those problems in the first place? I love it. So what, so if I were to come and like, if I wanted to come, like come in and join one of your programs, can you tell me what it would be like? Yeah. So right now, um, my main virtual program. It's Triad Leadership. I have a phenomenal business partner. Um, he's out of the Denver area. He is a recently retired cop. He is a pro fighter, has MMA gyms, all that stuff. Oh so goodness. he does a lot of, yeah, he is phenomenal. Um, he does a lot of the coaching expertise stuff. So we do six weeks online mm. and uh, we get to do the training, you know, for, for an hour at the beginning of the week. And then we actually get to implement what we learned, and then we get to coach you through it. So you're not just getting information, right? Like for six hours, it's not just like a regular in-service because we all know that you listen to that stuff, you take notes, and then it goes somewhere, (laughs) right? Like wherever in the bottom of a bag. Mm -hmm. Um, So you get the six weeks and you get to be coached through it. um, And the guys in there right now, I had one guy, um, he's been on 10 years. He's ready to leave his agency. He was like, it's toxic. I don't want to be here. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And our whole program is called Becoming the Change Agent. Mm. And he not only, within three weeks, he's not only not leaving, he's actually taken some of our training to his shift and his um, supervisors. And they're now kicking off their muster with gratitude practice Amazing. and talking about fears. And yeah, they're taking all this stuff. So I'm like, we're getting culture shift indirectly. Like just because our students are believing it and they're taking it back to their agencies. Yeah. And it's, that's what it's all about. (laughs) Absolutely. I love it. I love it so much. So where did you like, okay. So like, where did you learn this? Or like what happened to you specifically? Was there a shift? Was there a time? Was there an incident where you were just like, I am done with this shit. And like, we need to change the culture. Like what, what happened with you? Yeah, there is one exact moment that it happened so that second agency where I was miserable, um, I tolerated it for about two years. And I finally came home one day and my husband looks at me and he goes, you're not fun to be married to anymore. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, ouch. Like, thanks for the honesty. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. I'm glad he said something instead of like out of nowhere, you know, blindsiding with like a divorce or something a year down the road. Um, but he was like, you've changed. And here I was like, no, no, yeah. that's professional. Like I, I don't bring stress from work home. What are you talking about? Right. It's right. totally separate. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you used to come home exhausted, but still counting down to when you got to put your belt on it and go back to work. He was like, and your worst days, the trial, you know, the rough cases, whatever. He was like, you still couldn't wait to go back and do more. Mm-hmm. He was like, then we moved and all these things happened. And you complain about going to work. You text me halfway through telling me that you're pissed off about something. Yeah. He's like, and then you come home. He's like, and I don't want to spend time with you. And you're so grumpy. You don't even notice. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. So I've now changed. 
the cancer has taken over my life. And I was like, then, I, and then I'm done because what's more important? I'm like, I've got my marriage. I've got my kids. I need to take care of that. Mm-hmm. And then what do I do? I'm like, well, I can read. I'm educated. I have the, the firsthand experience. Like I can talk to cops. Yeah. I'm not someone with a desk job who is telling cops how they should be doing things. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and then I started, uh, I mean, I've just been researching and studying and collaborating. I mean, for what, three years now. And I've been teaching all over the country the past two. Amazing. And so, yeah. So like, how are the agencies? Like, how are they, are they receptive? Are you reaching out to them and like, Hey, I have this thing. Or are you like, are they coming to you? Like, like the reason I'm asking you that, yeah. (laughs) The reason I'm asking you that is because some agencies are not, they don't tend to be as proactive or, you know what I mean? Right. Progressively wanting to help first responders. Yeah, no, I agree. So I, you know, caught my like big break more or less because the command and staff college found me and they actually recruited me, um, into being an instructor for them. Mm-hmm. And then once I started taking it all over the country and I got to teach just command and staff, then I got to keynote at like the chief and sheriff's conferences. So then I was able to spend days with like just the decision makers at the very top yeah. And help them connect some of the dots, some of the things that they had forgotten yeah. over the last 25, 30 years, right? Mm-hmm. Since they moved to behind a desk. Um, you know, we obviously need all those pieces, but the guy at the bottom and the guy at the top don't ever talk to each other. No. Right? Most Unless of the time in the, in the medium to bigger size. Yeah, yeah. In the, me- in the medium to bigger size. Yeah. Um, the small is different, but so we get to have those conversations and then I get to kind of walk them through and even take them like down memory lane a little bit. I'm like, go back to how you viewed a sergeant before you were one. How did you view a lieutenant before you were one? And so on. And they're like, oh, yeah, we shifted. We forgot, you know, Mm. you know, we start to close communication gaps. Um, So there's a learning curve, like as far as getting agencies involved. Um, And then others are like, what do you have? You know, we saw we saw you in command and staff like we liked what you're doing. I do just culture shift for Mm -hmm. command and staff. Um, And then they, you know, now they call me and they're like, Hey, you taught all of our commanders. Like, what do you have for our agency? So that's the preferred way. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I I like getting the phone calls a lot better. (laughs) Right. Oh yeah. I know. Well, that's cool. And I love that. You know, it seems like you've worked with a lot. I looked on your website. It seems like you've worked with a lot. So it's like they, Mm -hmm. they're becoming more open to it clearly. Yes. It has, um, like I said, it's taken about two years. It's taken a lot of no's. When I first started, um, I actually trained military first, went straight to Marines, and then struggled back to law enforcement because I was like, those are my people. I need to be back. I miss, you know, I, I miss them. I miss those conversations. I miss that kind of heart. That's where I need to be. Yeah. Um, so by the time I circled back, I spent six months of getting no on every single phone call, Mm -hmm. like straight up. No, I probably said I was going to quit like 150 times. Mm -hmm. And then I had to go back and remind myself like why I wanted to do it and what I was here to do. And that luckily drove me forward. Um, because yeah, I think I was in front of 125, 29 agencies last Mm. year. Well, and what would you say? What is your why? Like what keeps you going? Cause this isn't easy what you're doing. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, right. It's not easy. Um, so other than coffee assisting me along the way, um, I truly, and I write out my mission statements. I see it every day to eliminate toxicity at work. Mm. Like that's it. It, because I've experienced the good and the bad, and now I'm literally living my dream doing like only what I love to do. Mm. I, it pains me to see people, especially law enforcement, like who are sacrificing and they have the servant hearts. Like, I mean, you guys know that most of the world would never put on a uniform of right. any sort, right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so we, we forget because all of our friends are in uniform. But that being said, it's okay. If they're already sacrificing, they shouldn't be counting down to the weekend and mm. then dreading like Monday going back. Right. It's such a ridiculous way to live Mm -hmm. and it's not fair Mm. i mean simply like we all deserve so much more and especially a profession as challenging and dangerous and noble as law enforcement like you should love it the times that you're there Mm -hmm. because otherwise like if you don't love what you're doing why are you risking so much for it so true and it seems like we as officers we risk so much like you said Mm -hmm. you know a lot of people they do have issues in their marriage or, you know, they have money issues or they gain weight or they become very depressed. They become Mm -hmm. very like, I I don't even want to say shallow, but really shallow. Like it's just a job. Yeah. They go home and they watch TV or they, you know, play video games and they get up and go do the job again. Like they really Mm -hmm. lose this concept of life because they're trying to cope and don't know how. And right. Right. And what are we doing to help them? Well, you're out there, you're doing big things, which I really appreciate. But I mean, for by and large, like, we just, a lot of agencies sit back and they're like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know, man. You better toughen up. You better toughen up. I, I went through that and you, know, you got to toughen up, right? Yeah. It's that. This is the way it's always been done mm-hmm. kind of attitude. And it, you know, I see that a lot, especially when I train like more senior Um, You know, they've got all the experience and wisdom in the world, and it's great to have a seat at those tables. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, wait, we have to cater to like the younger guys coming in. I'm like, if you want to keep recruiting, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do. I mean, don't change the job, but yeah, you've got to speak to what they want. You've got to paint this picture, not a fake picture, but paint this picture of these are the challenges. Like Mm -hmm. relationships get hard shift work kind of sucks. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's dangerous. Yeah. And they're like, well, people won't come if we do that. I'm like, no, you tell them that. And then you say, and you have the opportunity to take care of those who can't do it for themselves and to really save lives and make an impact and do all the other things that you get to do through law enforcement. Yeah. I'm like, but why do we keep the challenges a secret? Right. So then we get these cops who are totally blindsided by it, mm-hmm. you know, or like you said, we'll toughen up. You'll be fine. And that's it's the mindset. Wrong. Toughen that's, up. <laughs> yep. That's the mindset. Toughen up. I, I can't tell you how many times I got told that when I first started, which is to an extent, like, I just want to like throw that out there to an extent, like we need that, right? Like we, you, you gotta you, be tough to do the job. Yeah. Because we can't be having, you know, we, we can't be having like weak people, you know, we can't be mm-hmm. having stuff like that. Um, in right but but at the same time you you know i'll never forget this carrie is um my first like what week on the job ever (laughs) i got my first dead body and for a a 20 year old girl that was like devastating i had never seen a dead body ever and it was Mm -hmm. devastating to me and it was really hard and like 
<laughs> my FDL was like, Hey, you got to go deal with it. And I'm like, what? Like what? And then, you know, you gotta, and you've got to do all these things, you know, you've got to move it for, you know, uh-huh, to make sure uh-huh. there's no knives under it and like just all this shit. And I'm like, that really messed with me. Like, yeah. but, no, but nobody would talk to me about it. And once it was done, you know, it was like, geez, your face looks like you've seen a ghost. I'm like, well, I practically just did. Basically. Yeah. One step before. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you're not helping me out. And like, and I, who, I couldn't, who, you know, I, I tried to talk to my parents, but they like, whoo, you know, like, you know, and then, so I didn't have anybody to talk to. And I, I just compartmentalize. And what, what do we do? We shove things down, shove things mm-hmm. down. And as I was shoving it down, you know, later on, it, it, you know, when I had my first fatal, you know, or my first overdose that ended up in a death, like mm-hmm. all that shit, like it just compounds and, mm-hmm. and I didn't know how to handle it. And so I personally developed a lot um, of anxiety, got diagnosed with PTSD and an anxiety disorder, which is very common. For first yeah, I would I would say it's almost to be expected. Yeah, right. Because most people can go their whole lives without seeing any dead bodies or any sort of domestic abuse or any of those things, and then you see it day in and day out. And you're right, we bottle it up. And I remember the first time that I broke, and I'm very fortunate that my husband's a marine and he's done all combat tours. So like. Well, crazy to anyone outside, we could sit and like compare dead body stories and it was yeah, our yeah. way of coping and it was totally normal, mm-hmm. even though, I mean, probably like highly advised against by all kinds of professionals, but it worked for us. Huh. But I mean, I did the same thing. I was like, well, you don't show emotion. Like it's part of the job. And I had a two week period where I had two unnatural deaths every single shift. Damn. And I was like, I was distancing. I was doing this where like homicide saved me as black widow in their phone. because they were like, when Carrie comes to work, Mm -hmm. uh, people die. And I was like, that's a terrible reputation. Like, that's awful. Yeah. Like fire knew it. Like they get an elevator and they're like, shit. And like the guys who didn't know, like, no, no. If you ever see Carrie, you're either going to have a dead body, a crazy person, or you're about to get punched in the face. Oh shit. None of those are good. None of those. (laughs) Uh, My shifts were always very exciting, but (laughs) you know, I did. I finally broke. I like went to my husband and I was like, I can't. I was like, what do I do? I was like, I'm going to go to work tomorrow and someone's going to die. I was like, it's happened the last 14 days. Like, why wouldn't it happen tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you could have said something a week ago. You could have said, he's like, yeah, it's not normal. Let's talk about it. But if I didn't have him, I right. guess I would have just dealt with it. Yeah. And, you know, swallowed my own PTSD and mm-hmm. figured it out. And, yeah. and then who knows where you'd be right now. <laughs> and right? then who knows? Right. Exactly. Would you say that now you're, you're like, are you like the happiest you've been? Would you say you're really happy? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And I didn't, um, I didn't even really have a lot of issues while I was in law enforcement. You Mm -hmm. know, I had like the couple like recurring nightmares or like bad things, you know, some of those stuff, but I didn't really feel like super stressed out um, other than like small incidents here and there. And then when I left law enforcement, I had a total identity crisis because we were like, oh, tell me about yourself. Well, I'm a cop. But you're not. Like, well, right. But like, like, that's your job. Tell me yeah, about yeah. yourself. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's all I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always. Mm-hmm. And uh, I left. I didn't know what to do. Um, I had some postpartum depression with that kid, with, you know, kid number two. And like, I was suicidal. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm lost. I... My Marine is unavailable. I don't have a job. Like what now? Mm. And I really started to hone in on a lot of this mindset training. Um, 
really took that gratitude to heart and brought myself out of it. How did you, who inspired you to do that? Um, One of my mentors. So a business mentor of mine. And she literally was like, if you can't do something as simple as gratitude, she's like, then I can't help you. Mm -hmm. She's like, you won't find success anywhere else if you can't put pen to paper and take care of yourself first. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you can't pour into people from Mm -hmm. an empty cup. Like, you know, she's like, you servant heart types, you're the hard ones. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You never want to take care of yourself. And she definitely set me straight, but it's been a journey. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I can relate to that. And so you, you know, you're out there, you're doing big things. What's next? What do you got going? What can, what can people look forward to? They're going to come and want to hang out with you. You know, like what, what can they look forward to? What do you got going? I always have something new going. Mm -hmm. Um, So what's next is I pretty much always do the same thing, just bigger and better and with more people. Mm -hmm. So if you start to follow me, that is what I do. I do have that online course I was talking about becoming the change agent. Um, We've gone through two sessions now. We're four weeks in to our six week of our session two. And then uh, um, the next one is starting the end of June. Okay. So session three is coming up and it's even better that it's virtual because now we get people from all over the country. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter where you're in law enforcement, like everyone's doing the same thing. Yeah. And so really like we get to build this really phenomenal community through it, um, mm. which is my favorite part, you know, yeah. and like then they all, you know, learn from each other. Yeah. Like I said, we've got rookies, we've got majors, we've got detectives in the middle, yeah. but they all have the same challenges. Mm. They all have the same fears. Like they all need the same thing. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's the next thing going on is session three is launching on June 28th. Nice. And so where can people yeah. find out about that? Yeah. Go to mindsetenterprise.net. That is my company. Um, and you can go and read all about team triad. Team Triad is service, purpose, and mindset, and is made up of me, Jared, and our students. Mm. Um, because without students, Jared and I would just be Carrie and Jared. Yeah. Uh, right? We need students if we're going to be trainers. And, uh, you know, even with that, I'm sure you can drop like a link or a comment, but for your audience, I really want to give a discount code for registration. Um, I love that. You know, I, never, you. I never want, of course, I never want cost to be like a reason why people don't help themselves Mm -hmm. and don't become better because it's just dollars and cents. And that's silly. Yeah. So beautiful. Okay. And so we're going to have, we'll put the, uh, you'll give me the code and then we'll put it in. We'll put it in the show notes. So any sheepdogs listening, I want you to look right into the show notes right underneath this podcast and you'll be able to have, you'll be able to go right to Carrie's website and you'll be able to get the um, coupon code. So you can get a kick-ass discount for this program, which sounds amazing. Um, Carrie, where can they find you on the socials? I am real Carrie Wooten, Facebook and Instagram. Um, and then LinkedIn, I'm probably on the most. Of course I'm Carrie Wooten on LinkedIn, but LinkedIn is where you'll probably get most of my stuff. Um, and my content and my videos and random free things and whatever else I can do. <laughs> Love that. Okay. And we'll, we'll connect, we'll connect your stuff. And so that okay. everybody can find you very easily. So that will be great. Yeah. Um, and what would you give us one thing that you would like to leave Sheepdog Nation with before we turn it over to mastermind members? Sure. So Sheepdog Nation, just keep in mind that you don't have to be everything 
for everybody. Mm. And uh, while I know that your servants, you know, servant hearts, that's always first, you've got to take care of you. Mm. Because if you're not better, if you're not phenomenal, if you're not at the top of your game, then everyone else around you suffers. Mm. You're doing them a disservice. Yeah. So it's actually a responsibility to further develop yourself. Mm. I love that. Thank you, Carrie. Sure. Deep Dog Nation, make sure you go check out the show notes um, and you can stay tuned. I'm going to ask my mastermind members just to make sure that they don't have any questions or see what they have for us. Um, and then at the end of the show, keep going. Cause I'm going to be putting on some police music. Um, shout out to one time music. He's a police officer and he's a hip hop artist. Carrie, you got to listen to him. He's amazing. Oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll be at the end of this episode. I always throw his music on cause it's just so amazing. So, um, mastermind members, do you have anything? Do you have any questions? Shan, Corinne, do you guys have anything? You want me to? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead, honey. Um, well, I guess my question would be more, I supervise people. So mm -hmm. my one thing I struggle with is when I find that people don't necessarily listen. So mm -hmm. what are your recommendations for addressing that while not um, making people feel like they're attacked or being belittled mm -hmm. or, um, looked down upon because yeah, that's respected. So for sure. Sure. That's a great question. And the fact that you're thinking, how do I do this and make sure I'm not offensive or belittling or anything like that, better. I put you above a number of other supervisors anyway. <laughs> um, just ask them. I mean, literally ask them because people will tell you how they want to be communicated with, and they'll tell you what they want if they get the opportunity, like the very blatant, obvious, direct opportunity to say it. Mm. Um, you know, and I, especially as a supervisor, we need to make sure that communication goes both ways. So ask them, hey, what can I do for you? Like they're technically working for you, right? Working under you. So they know that as, a, as far as a formality goes, but hey, subordinates, what can I do better? And how can I make sure I'm an asset to you? Mm -hmm. Now you've opened that up and they're like, wait, my supervisor <laughs> wants my input. My supervisor mm -hmm. wants my opinion on how they can lead better. Now you've done something that's almost unheard of. <laughs> right. And that opens trust, it opens communication. And now they're like, oh, wait, maybe we'll listen a little bit more because now you have a two-way communication street, not just supervisor down to subordinate. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Does that help? Yeah. Okay. I love that. Thank you, Carrie. Sure. Thank you, Shannon. And um, I don't think that Corinne is in a, a – I think she's not able to talk. I'm going to assume that. Um, yeah. Carrie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Sheepdog Nation, we'll see you next time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. What's up, Sheepdog Nation? 